All right, we've got such a, uh, uh, an exciting ministry here tonight. I've just kind of seen, I, I, I've seen it get birthed. I've seen him step into it. I've seen God move time and time again. Um, I'm so thankful that you have a whole row full of testimonies here. I don't know if they're all giving a testimony, but that's okay if they do. <laughs> but there is fruit. This is such a great ministry, which is Teen Challenge, and it has had such impact on our city, on our churches. Um, and I'm very thankful for what this couple is doing. But if y'all would, please welcome Pastor Tim McLaughlin. Praise the Lord. Thanks, brother. God bless you. It's good to be here. I think it's been about a year since uh, the last time we were here, and it's, it's exciting. Uh, I want to say thank you first and foremost. Uh, you just took up an offering. And uh, when, you, when you sow into this ministry, I know this ministry sows into the ministry of Teen Challenge. And so I thank you so much for your faithfulness and giving uh, so that this ministry is, is being blessed. How many of you here have never heard about Teen Challenge? Anybody? Never heard about Teen Challenge? Well, good. Then I can make this real quick. Um, Teen Challenge has been around 54 years. Teen Challenge is a Christian discipleship program. It's not a rehab. It is a discipleship program. Uh, our, our focus, and we tell these ladies when they come in and the young men that we help, we're not here to get you off drugs. We're here to change your life. If we, if you can, if we can change your life through the Word of God, the power of God, the Spirit of God, drugs isn't an issue. So we, we want to we transform their whole life. The Bible tells us in Romans 12 too, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so uh, that's, that's a little bit of what this ministry is. We, um, we had such a great need for a Teen Challenge Center in Middle Tennessee. There's, there's one in Chattanooga. There's one in Memphis, one in uh, Savannah. Uh, there's a, a, a center that opened in Knoxville. But, but even with that, there was such a great need for this area. Um, I started working with Teen Challenge about 11 years ago, and so so many of the, the people that we were trying to help because they, the legal issues, the financial obligations, and all the things that go along with getting people into Teen Challenge, it was hard to get them placed. Um, I've had, uh, I could tell you story after story, but I'm not going to, about people that would come in and they were just, they were broken. They were at their bottom. They were at that point. They wanted help. And then we had all these hurdles to jump through. Well, they, they got probation. They've got legal charges. They got court dates. Uh, we got to deal with all those before you can get them into a teen challenge. Or, or you know, you got to get a health screen. Or you got to do this application or that application. What happens when you look at a, a person that's strung out on drugs and, and you say, okay, I need 30 days. Give me 30 days and I can get all this worked out. You're never going to see them again. You've got a short window of opportunity to be able to snatch them and help them. And so that's when we opened up a Teen Challenge Center in, uh, right here in Middle Tennessee. Uh, actually, when we first opened up in October of 2009, we were in a 6,000-square-foot building uh, down in Jackson County, down in Gainesboro. Uh, let me just tell you, that was not the place that I chose, but that was the place that God put us to learn and to grow. We were leasing a building. We leased that building for three years. The men that owned the building, we told them what we wanted to do. It was an old, rundown muffler shop. They completely remodeled that building, replumbed it, rewired it, painted it, drywalled it, set it up exactly how we wanted it. Uh, we leased that building for three years. And as soon as we moved in, the Bible says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. And if you've been around me long, you understand that's my catchphrase. I believe in that. we got to continue to have vision to move forward. Our, our vision in 2007 was to open a Teen Challenge Center in this area. In October 2009, we opened it in a 6,000-square-foot building in Jackson County. As soon as we signed the lease, our vision then became, Lord, now we need land. Now we need the land. Now we need to move forward. Everybody knows that it's in God's time and not yours, right? 
Three years later, we bought 49 acres of land in Overton County. God heard our prayers, but it was up to his timing. Uh, September of last year, we moved over to this land in Overton County, moved our crisis center over there, and we're beginning to grow. Now we have the land where we can expand the ministry. Since October of 2009, we've had 154 women come through our crisis center. And we've placed over 250 men and women into long-term treatment since October 2009. And we've had 185 people make decisions through Christ through the ministry of Teen Challenge of the Upper Cumberland. We, we want to see people's lives changed and transformed. And, and, and God's, this is a tool that God is using. Uh, just a couple of things I really want to tell you about, and, and uh, then I want to share, like Pastor Paul said, some of the fruit. Uh, we are a crisis center. Right now we take adult females, we get them off the streets, out of the jails, out of their environment, get them into a safe haven where they're there anywhere from three to five weeks till we can get them placed into a long-term 12-month Teen Challenge program. We also help with placement with men. Uh, we've had several men, obviously 100, over 100 men we've helped place into Teen Challenge, even though we don't have a house for them yet. But we've got 49 acres to build plenty of barns to start doing so. Uh, like I said, we've got land. Our long-term vision is to open up a 12-month training center for both men and women on that property. Uh, separate housing, lots of land in between them. We've got a plan. We haven't just, we're not just going to throw buildings up, trust me. Okay. Uh, but we've got a table out there in the foyer you can go. Uh, how many of you get our e-letters, our e-newsletters about every week to two weeks? Okay, some of you have not. Go out to our table. Please, I encourage you. All you need to do, there's a clipboard, name, address, phone number, email address. Every week to two weeks, we're going to send you out an email newsletter. Some of them are video testimonies that you can just click play, sit back, and just weep. Um, how God has transformed his life. Some of them you have to read and put a little effort into, but they're all stories of, of success and what God's doing. And then about every quarter, we'll send out a, a published newsletter with a little bit more information on what's going on. Plus, you can be on our mailing list for things like banquets and upcoming events, and we want to uh, avail you to those things. Pick up one of our brochures that has our contact information on there. Maybe you know someone that needs help. I dare say that there's not a person sitting in this room that does not know somebody that is struggling with drug or alcohol addiction. Take a brochure and hand it to them. If they'll just call, you've planted a seed. Uh, here's one of our letters. You can pick up one of our latest uh, uh, letters out there also and read some of the things that's going on. And then also we have uh, some of the bracelets. Um, for those of you who've been here before, as our ladies come through the program, one of the things they do is they make these bracelets from scratch. Um, they, they put the beads on. They pick the colors. Once the bracelet's made, they take them, they pray over them, and they put them in the bag, and they sign this little card down at the bottom. When you make a $10 donation for one of these bracelets, guys, for your wives, when you make a $10 donation for one of these bracelets, uh, that money goes straight to Teen Challenge. Now the bottom of that's got a name, and we ask you to pray for that young lady because she's in Teen Challenge. She's prayed for this for you. Now we ask that you pray for her so you're sowing seed on both ends through prayer and through your financial giving. But it's like Pastor said, this ministry has is, is, is bore much fruit. And it's not because of me, it's just because I was faithful. I was willing to get out of the boat and I was willing to listen to the, to the Spirit of the Lord. Tonight I just want to share with you briefly one of those stories of success. Because the Bible does say in Matthew chapter 7, by their fruit you will know them. If you want to know the power of Teen Challenge, this is the power of Teen Challenge. Miss Chelsea, would you come? Pastor, can I use this, that one right there? 
This is Miss Chelsea Wilkerson. Miss Chelsea came through our ministry, came through the Crisis Center. She'll tell you a little bit about that. Went on to her long-term program and graduated. Now she's back and she's working with us, but she's got a whole lot more to tell. Hey, Miss. My name is Chelsea. I'm from Portland, Tennessee, and I am 23 years old. And at the age of 21, I was busted for manufacturing methamphetamines. And I was facing a minimum of 8 to 25 years in prison when uh, God intervened in my life. Eight years prior to that is when I first started smoking weed. And I was trying to um, feel something in my heart. I didn't know exactly what I was trying to feel in my heart, but I knew there was something missing inside me. And so uh, it started in a long world of addiction, of hurt, pain. Um, but whenever I got arrested, God stepped in my life, and um, he sent a lawyer to me, and she was an advocate of Teen Challenge. And she uh, was a firm believer in it. She told me that she believed that this is where I needed to be, that this would help me. And um, so I accepted. And when I come to the crisis center, I was... Uh, I finally found what I had been looking for, what I was trying to feel with guys, with drugs, with uh, just nights out and everything like that. I finally realized what I was trying to feel, and it was because God was missing in my life, and I needed him in my life. And I actually came to this church whenever y'all um, had Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames, and that was actually the night that I gave my heart to the Lord whenever I came through the crisis center. So it's kind of weird being back in the church and everything like that. So... <laughs> But um, like I said, you know, I gave my heart, and I finally realized what I was missing was God. And um, I went to my long term. I really, me and God really worked on the things that um, in my life that I needed to let go, all the anger, the bitterness, the rage, um, just anything that was um, making my heart evil and mean. Uh, me and God worked with that, and uh, he uh, made me new. He made me complete. He uh, gave me a new life to start, and... Um, Pastor Tim offered me an internship whenever I was about to graduate, and I accepted. I knew that I wanted to give back to the ministry that had helped change my life and to give back to God for working in my life through the ministry. And after I um, came back, you know, something I forgot to tell you all was that I had two little girls also. I have a three-year-old and a four-year-old that I had given up prior to me getting arrested. And um, January... I actually started uh, the cases to get my kids back in actually May 20, was it March? March 28th, sorry. March 28th, I finally got my little girls back, so I'm now back again a full-time mom. Um, they're actually in y'all's children's church tonight, so God has really not just done a work in my life, but he's done a work in my little girl's life. Now they get to see a godly mom and get to grow up to know God and not the life that I was showing them and giving to them. And... He's also done a work in my family's life, and God's just really transformed my life, and it's just been a ripple effect through my whole family, and I just have to give all the glory to God. Good job. Amen. And again, like I said, because you guys sow uh, through your tithes, through your offerings, this church sows into this ministry so that lives like that can be transformed. 
Uh, before I go any further, I definitely want to introduce to you. I, I, like I said, this is not about me. This ministry is not Tim McLaughlin ministry. This ministry is Teen Challenge of the Upper Cumberland. It's God's ministry, and God has saw us through this. But I couldn't do it without great partnership. Um, when we first took this position, I was a staff pastor at a church and, and felt like this was the step that I had to make. And uh, when I did it, my wife was an RN. And I said, hey, how about us going, you know, doing ministry together? She said, I can't work for you. <laughs> Anyways, um, and, and so we went through and several months and I kept saying, come on, please, you know, I need your help. I need your help. And after about a year, a little over a year, about 14 months into the ministry, things were just going. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm preaching. I'm, I'm talking to people. I'm going to court. I'm going to jail. Who's running the office? I mean, I'm going ballistic. Um, administration is not my gifting. Please help. And, um, she, she's like, I just don't know. So finally, one night during a board meeting, the board said, what do you need? I said, I need my wife. And they said, well, why won't she take it? I said, well, why don't you ask her? So I stepped away from the table. They called her into the room at one of our board meetings. They offered her the job, and she accepted. So my wife, Sheridan. Amen. Get her to talk. She runs the administration. She, you want to talk? There you go. All right. See? She. That's why she does what she does. Praise God. It's a delight to be here. I'm glad Pastor uh, asked us back, and, and we thank you so much. If you have your Bibles tonight, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Um, I'll try to keep this short this evening. Romans chapter 12, verse number 9. While you're finding Romans chapter 12, verse number 9, if you don't care, we'll go ahead and pray. If you've already got it, bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to be here. We thank you for this loving, compassionate body. The Lord that believes in this ministry and that sows good seed into good ground. We thank you, Father, for the men and women that make up this body. And we thank you, Father God, for what you're doing in it, through it, and with it. We thank you for this opportunity to speak. And we just pray, Lord, that you would have your way in this place tonight. Speak through me, Father God, that I would just lay myself aside and be obedient to your will to serve you in whatever way you would have me to do. And Father, I just thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 12, we're going to begin reading in verse number 9. The Bible says, let love, everybody say love. Some of you said it. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, and giving to hospitality. Now there's a few words that I would like to pull out of this piece of scripture that I've just shared with you. Uh, one of the things I truly believe is this, you need to be a student and a learner of the Word of God. What I mean is that if you're just a daily reader, I mean, that's great. That's, that's good. That's better than nothing. But to be a student, to be a learner, to be someone that studies the Word of God will do so much more for you. If you're not a student of the Word, you're, you're like a, a ship that is at sea without a compass. You're going to get tossed to and fro, and eventually you're going to end up lost or shipwrecked. Now, there may be a possibility that you're going to hit land, but you're not going to hit the destination that God had for your life if you are not studying the Word of God and applying it to your life. The first word that I want to share with you as Paul is writing this letter to the Romans is the word hypocrisy. 
The King James Version says it this way, dissimulation. But the Greek meaning for both of these word, words is unfeigned, undisguised, or sincere. The dictionary defines hypocrisy this way, a pretense of having a virtuous character, moral or religious beliefs or principles that one does not really possess. You're faking it. You're faking it. To be a hypocrite is to confess that you are something that you are not and that you do not practice. So the first question that I have for you tonight, I'm going to ask you three questions. The first question that I have is this. Does your behavior reflect Christ in you? Does your behavior reflect Christ in you? To be a hypocrite is to say that you are what you are not. So does your behavior reflect Christ in you? The second word I want to share with you and spend most of the time on this evening is the word love. In the English language, we've, we've pretty much butchered the word love. I mean, you could say, I, you know, I love my pickup truck. I love football. Uh, I, I love, you know, uh, my dog. And I love my wife. Do I love my wife as much as I love my pickup truck? No. 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 But we've butchered it. We, we, have, we, we have no concept of the word love in the English language. But in the Hebrew and in the Greek and in, in the Bible as it's written, there are 28 different words for love. Now, we're not going to cover all 28, so don't freak out and start looking at your watch. But we are going to, real quickly, I'm going to talk about three, but really address two of those three that are, that are found primarily in the New Testament. The first one is eros love, which is the Greek word meaning sensual love that has to do between a husband and a wife. Eros love. We find that in Ephesians when, when Paul is writing a letter to the, to the church of Ephesus about how a husband needs to love his wife and a wife needs to love their husband, and it's the word eros. The second word that we'll find is the word phileo. It's an effectual love toward a friend or someone with the same interest. That's where we get the city of Philadelphia, city of brotherly love, is the word phileo, philo. Okay? It's, it's, it's a love that you have in a bond with someone that, that you call friend. I tell people all the time, I said, and Pastor Paul may disagree with me on this, I don't know, but in ministry, I don't have a lot of friends. I have a lot of acquaintances, but I don't have a lot of friends. There's only probably a handful of people that I sit down with that I share my innermost thoughts, my innermost feelings. It's, and, and that's hard in ministry to do that sometimes, but, but there's only a certain group of people that I really consider friends other than my wife. The third type of love is the word agape. Agape. Agape is a true affectionate or benevolence. It's to love unselfishly to the point that you would be willing to sacrifice. It's the highest form of love known to man. It is the God kind of love. John chapter 3 verse 16 said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so agape unselfishly that he was willing to give, he ransomed heaven for us. We are to take that agape love and we are to preach it. That is the gospel. It is the good news. To share the agape love of what Jesus Christ did for us is what we are called to do. Mark chapter 16 verse 15 said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every 
creature. Every creature. Not just those you like. Not just those that are comfortable with. Not just those that, you know, maybe they're an immediate family or just your children. But to preach the good news, the agape love of what Jesus Christ did on the cross at Calvary to every living creature. The gospel we preach, the good news, is unconditional love. It's a message that is the agape for what God has done for you and what God has done for me. It's a message that we as Christians, followers of Christ, should live by and speak to all mankind. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 10 says, Let love be without hypocrisy. We talked about hypocrisy. That saying that you are something that you're not. And Paul says, let your love, and that word love that Paul is talking about is that agape love. Don't tell someone that you're going to do something if you're not going to do it. Now, not this church necessarily, but I believe the body in Christ as a whole, a lot of times we're real good about that. Oh, brother, that's just great. Sister, I love you. Oh, I'll do this and I'll do that. But then when the rubber meets the road, well, I, I, but I, I didn't mean, I mean you, you, I mean, you thought I was serious. You, you want me to? Yes. Yes. I want you to give. I want you to do. I want you to truly love as Jesus loved. Paul uses the same agape word in this passage. And he said we're supposed to share the agape love with sincerity and without pretense. Love unconditionally. Paul says we're to abhor, dislike evil, but not the people that are evil. How many of you have heard the saying, God loves the sinner, he hates the sin? That's what Paul's saying. God says, I love unconditionally. I love you. I don't love the sin that you're in. And if you don't get out of that sin, I have no choice, but you're going to go to hell. But I love you just the same. I say this time and time again, and I believe it's true. God has been really stern in me for several months now. I mean, this has been an ongoing battle, and I'm still trying to piece it all together. I don't know. I don't have it down yet. But, you know, I think about with the ladies and the young men that we minister to. Think about this for a second. When Jesus gets off the boat, and the man from Gadarene that was demon-possessed... I mean, he had, he, Jesus asked him, who are you? And he said, he said my name is Legion because there's many. I mean, this guy was demon-possessed. Now, think about this. Jesus gets off the boat, and this man that is demon-possessed with multiple demons comes running to Jesus. Why wouldn't he run in the cave or take off and hide? He knew who Jesus was. I believe this. I believe this with all my heart. Because we are created in the image of God. We may have fell into a sin lifestyle, but there's something inside the created being that longs for the Creator. You may be strung out on drugs. You may be using meth. You may be an alcoholic. You may be a homosexual. You may, be, you may have had an abortion. You may, I don't know what your sin or what your issue is. And you may feel like you're so far distant from God but the spirit inside of you, that created being, that life's breath that was placed inside of you, longs to have a relationship with the Creator. 
We don't need to bypass anybody, look down upon anybody, neglect anybody because of the sin that they're in. We need to be willing to love unconditionally. If you have your Bibles and you're still following with me, go to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, verse 15. Probably a familiar passage to many. You may have heard this before. But let me just share this quickly with you in John chapter 21, verse 15 through 17. It says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Agape. Agape. If you got in your Bible, write in your Bible, take notes in your Bible. Agape. Jesus said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Agape me more than these. He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I phileo. I love you like a friend. Jesus is asking him, Are you willing to give everything your whole life for my sheep? Peter says, Lord, you know that we're, I mean, we're buds, man. I mean, we're home team. Verse 16, Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Peter still hadn't got it. Verse 17, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Jesus changes it. Twice he asked him, Peter, do you agape me? Are you willing to lay down your life? But this third time Jesus changes it. If you go back and look at the original Greek, he says, Peter, do you phileo me? Peter was grieved because he said it to him a third time. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. Jesus asked Peter to agape, to love him, to love his children unselfishly. But Peter couldn't do it. He could only love as a friend, as, a, as one that had mutual agreement. And I believe it broke the heart of our Lord. But look at verse number 18. Verse 18, Jesus told Peter, Most assuredly I say to you, when you were young, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. I believe what Jesus was saying to Peter at this time is he said, right now you are struggling with making that commitment to love unconditionally, to give all and surrender. But in time, you will learn and we know through church history that Peter did. Peter learned to love unconditionally. God began to do a work on Peter's life on the day of Pentecost. And, and, and shortly after that, Peter would walk down the street and people would lay in his shadow just to be healed. And, and, and Peter would begin to go out and do great and mighty things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So to the point that he was persecuted for preaching Jesus' name. And when asked to deny Christ, he said, I'll never do it. And they got ready to crucify him. He said, but you cannot crucify me as you crucified my Lord. I am not worthy. So they hung him upside down on the cross. Peter went to his death loving unselfishly and unconditionally. Friends, we're living in perilous times. Times of addiction, times of crime, times of disease, times of famine. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 24, but these are only the beginning of sorrows. It's just going to get worse. Tennessee is the second most medicated state in the United States. 
There are counties around here that are on the national register for the meth capital of the world. We've got issues in this Middle Tennessee area that are just, you would blow your mind. Some of the places that I've been, some of the crack houses, some of the places that I've, alleyways and, and up in places like Grundy County, down in Smith County, uh, DeKalb County, that are so dark, so oppressed. And Jesus says, yet these are just the beginning of sorrows. There are people that are out there that are hurting, that are broken. And we are his body. We are his hands and his feet. And he just asks us to love unconditionally. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This commandment is the word agape. We are to love the Lord our God and our neighbor unselfishly unto death. So my second question for you tonight is this. Does your love reflect Christ in you? Does your behavior reflect Christ in you? And does your love reflect Christ in you? In Luke's Gospel... Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Jesus answers the question, who's your neighbor? Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down the road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think is your neighbor who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said, go and do likewise. Jesus told us to go and do likewise. Who was the neighbor? Church, I'm asking you. Are we the religious crowd? Are we the priest and the Levite who just see someone in need and goes to the other side of the road to avoid confrontation? Or are we the Samaritan who's willing to give, to go out of our way, to change our plans, to bandage with our own clothing, and to give out of our own pocket to see someone's life changed? Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 10 says, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. We have been given the gift of salvation through God's love and Christ's sacrificial death, and much more that we have been reconciled and made part of his family engrafted in. We have been forgiven, restored, and redeemed. And Jesus tells us 
Go and do likewise. So my third question for you tonight is this. First question, does your behavior reflect Christ in you? Second, does your love reflect Christ in you? And third, do your actions reflect Christ in you? Go back to Romans chapter 12 where we first started. Verse number 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another and do not set your mind on high things but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as such as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will replace, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Bless all, friend or foe. Bless all. That's the call of Christ. Rejoice and or weep, whether it's your issue or someone else's. You may not have any idea why they're weeping. Don't try to explain it. Just weep with them. You may not understand why they're so excited. Don't try to understand it. Just rejoice with them. Don't try to get even, but instead walk in love. One of the saddest comments that I hear all the time is I, I hear young men and young women that call us and they want to get help. They want to get into Teen Challenge. They want to change their life. And, and then you call their parents and, and, or their brother or their sister or somebody and, and you say, listen, um, they want to go to Teen Challenge and I'm willing to help them. I'll do whatever I can, but they're going to be gone for 12 to 15 months. Three meals a day. Electricity, water, a bed. I mean, everything that they need. All their books. Everything's supplied. Teen Challenge is not a work program. Teen Challenge is a discipleship program. For the next 12 to 14 months, every need they're going to have is going to be met. Can you help us financially to get your loved one into a Teen Challenge program? Secular programs that are 30, 60, 90 days will cost anywhere from $15,000 to $30,000. Teen Challenge is a 12 to 15 month program, and I promise you it, it won't cost an adult. It will cost less than $3,000 for the whole program, much less. But you'll call these family members and you'll say, your daughter's called me and she's broken and she's, she's hit rock bottom and she wants help. Will you help? I'm done with her. I'm done with her. She's stolen from me for the last time. I don't care if I ever see her. I had one father that told me, and I, I pardon me for saying this, but this is how truth it is. I called him. I said, sir, your daughter's wanting to get help. She's wanting to get into Teen Challenge. I've got a bed for her. I'm going to help her. He said, I don't have a daughter. I wouldn't pee on that young lady if she was on fire. I don't want to hear about her ever again. Click. Is that the body of Christ? We've all been offended. Is there anybody in here by a show of hands? Anybody that has not been offended? Anybody? Praise the Lord. I was going to have to offend someone just so we could be unanimous, okay? But we've all been offended. But we need to, we need to love unconditionally without hypocrisy. And we need to give as the Lord has given to us. 
Because he's given much. He's forgiven much. We need to forgive much also. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Does your behavior toward humanity, your love for humanity, and your actions reflect Christ in you? Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, I just thank you for, again, this opportunity to come. I thank you for your word that is truth. Now, your word corrects. It brings reproof. It's doctrine to be taught. Lord, we know it's the word of God, and I have tried my best to preach it the way that you laid it on my heart. And so, Lord, now I ask that every heart that was in here received it, And Father, that you, the Spirit of God, do the work in them, whatever that may be. I'm going to ask you right now, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, no one's looking around. First question I have, most important question I have is this. Is there anybody that's in this place that does not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Is there anybody in this place that would say, if I died tonight... I don't know that I would go to heaven. Anybody, would you lift your hand? Anybody in this place? Praise the Lord. Next thing is this. Examine your heart. Is your behavior, is your love, and are your actions reflecting Christ in you? And if not, would you be willing to raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me that I would allow my behavior, my love, and my actions to reflect Christ. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Yes. Yes. Anybody else? Anybody else? Father, you saw these hands, and Lord, you, you know the hearts of those that maybe should have lifted their hand. I'm going to stand here on this stage, and I'm going to say, Lord, I've not perfected it. I'm not where I should be. I still have to deny my flesh. Lord, sometimes I preach best what I need to know the most. And I just pray, Father God, that you would change me to be that person. Change those who are willing to lift their hands and convict those that should have and do a work in their life. Father, so that we can truly in these last days do all that you've called us to do so that those that are lost and do not know you would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, to be delivered, to be healed, and to be discipled for your glory. I thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Wasn't that a good word? You know, as he was praying, all the Lord, I could feel the Lord saying to me, or or the, the... the overwhelming response that I have is thank you, Lord, for bringing Team Challenge to Church on the Hill tonight and for Pastor Tim to come and give us this word. Um, and don't take this the wrong way, but this is such a good deal for us to get to give into. If you have a, an investment friend that comes to you and says, I've got a deal for you, you know how thankful you are for good deals and how unthankful you are for bad deals.
Well, I want to ask the ushers to come forward. We're going to give into this ministry. But I want you to know this is a good deal. When we give into what God is doing, when we give because our heart is moving because we love the Lord, as we've been learning from the Sermon on the Mount, God is going to move. And what I feel the Lord saying is here's a chance. Here's a chance for Church on the Hill to be able to engage in what God wants us to be engaged in. Not only is this a great ministry, not only is there fruit from these ladies that are giving their lives to the Lord and getting free of their addictions and getting free of their life, but they've got a spirit-filled family that's down there pouring their heart into them, praying for these ladies, praying for these men, and positioning themselves completely unselfish, uh, giving their life for, the, for this family. And uh, I just want to ask, I've got all my deacons here tonight because we've got a deacons meeting. I want us to be praying about how we uh, can be more a part of what Teen Challenge is doing and what Tim McLaughlin and his wife is a part of because I want to be a part of that. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for this. I believe it is a divine moment for Church on the Hill. Lord, I thank you for the fruit that came from heaven's gates and hell's flames. And Lord, just this week or last week, I had my wife say, I think we need to bring it back again. And Lord, I wanted to react and say, oh, no, 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 no. Don't you remember how much work that is? And then this young woman comes up and shows how she is, her life was changed. Lord, how many lives are being changed because of Teen Challenge? How many lives are being changed because they are hearing your voice calling to them? Lord, that you agape love so much that you have given your life for us. In Jesus' name, Lord, let our hearts respond to what you have done for us. Lord, help us to give when it's time to give. Help us to serve when it's time to serve. Help us when a person is beaten on the side of the road to not switch to the other side and act like we don't see. Here is a ministry with great need. Lord, let the church respond in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for Teen Challenge. Thank you for Pastor Tim and his wife. Lord, bless them. Let 2013 be the best year that they have ever had. And Lord, as David Tremblay said on Sunday, let it be a year of joy. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would just make your checks to Church on the Hill. Brother Tim, is there uh, taking up the offering? I want to ask you a question. I want you to come back up if you don't mind. I want to hear what your most immediate need is and what your big dream. Well, if, if anything, if, if, you could, if you could have what the Lord has put on your heart tomorrow, what would it be? What's your first immediate? What's your most immediate need? And you may not can answer that. Uh, yeah, we've, we've met as a board. We had a board meeting two weeks ago. Our, our greatest need right now is uh, we've been understaffed since the day we opened up down there, and a lot of it's been because of finances. We've had to work on a skeleton crew, and we finally have gotten to a point where we've got some staff coming in. Miss um, Chelsea that shared her testimony, she's been a live-in intern, and she moved out because she just got her kids, and that's a joy. And, you know, last thing we want to do is say, okay, well, you're moving out, you're getting your kids I don't need you anymore. Absolutely not. We find a place for her. We put her in our office. She's got some great gifts in, in administration, uh, but we had to replace her, and we've got some other uh, positions. 
Um, the way we try to do it is we need at least one staff member for every four ladies, and then that's a, that's around the clock shift. I mean, these ladies are working; they live there on campus 24/7. So we're uh, first thing we're getting ready to do is build some staff housing, so we can get more staff, so we can because we can have more staff and we can take in more ladies, we can open up those beds. Uh, so that's the first thing we've met with some builders, and we're looking at what it would take. We've got a, a 40 by 100 metal building on the property that we're getting ready. Like I so said, we met with the builder; we got a plan and uh, turn that into first staff housing and then uh, eventually into a 16-bed full-time 12-month training center. Uh, so uh, money and manpower to help turn that thing into a, a full-fledged 12-month training center for women. Amen. All right. Well, everybody stand up. Let's just pray right now that that need be met and the church on the hill would, uh, would be a part of that. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we just pray for the right staff people. Lord, we just pray for the finances for those staff people. Lord, in Jesus' name, from the, from the north and the south and the east and the west, Lord, we don't know who they are. We don't know what they look like. But, Lord, you know who they are. Lord, in, in the name of Jesus, we just call them forth right now that the people would show up. But, Lord, that the people would show up and that we wouldn't come up short and not be able to pay for them, that they wouldn't be there and we couldn't access them because the finances and the resources aren't there. In the name of Jesus, we just call forth the resources right now. Lord, for a 12-month facility, for the, for the facilities for these uh, young ladies to be able to live in, these staff members to live in. Lord, and I thank you that, that you can do exceedingly abundantly more than we could think or ask. And Lord, we don't limit, we don't put a, we don't put a lid on even what Brother Tim has brought. We just ask you to pour out your blessing upon him. Thank you, Lord. Fill them with your spirit. Lead them by your spirit. Lord, provide for them with, your, with the kingdom treasures that you have stored up for them. Release those in Jesus' name. Everybody said?